All right, welcome in, Powers on Sports Podcast. Appreciate you finding us. Well, 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 we had a pretty interesting, we thought this week was going to kind of be a dead week in between the uh, AFC and NFC title games and the Super Bowl hype that will begin next week out in Phoenix. But what a week it has turned into with the announcement on Wednesday morning, Tom Brady officially retiring, he says for good, good. So with his, uh, if, everybody, if everybody saw Tom's beach beachfront retirement on video, on video that he that he submitted, uh, Tom Brady after 23 years calls it a career. Tampa Bay Buccaneers the last three and the first 20 with the New England Patriots. Um, that's that was the breaking news of the morning on Wednesday. Uh, Tom, seven Super Bowls, 10 Super Bowl appearances, three MVPs, obviously the sixth round draft pick, 199th overall pick. Just some notes and thoughts about Tom Brady as he, as he apparently exits the playing uh, world of the National Football League and will now transition to the Fox uh, booth. I don't think you'll see him. You know, you won't. I don't think you'll see him in the booth at all for the for the Super Bowl next because remember Fox has the Super Bowl. Burkhart and Olsen, but it wouldn't shock me if you saw a five or ten minute interview by Fox with Brady uh, in the pregame show at some point. So I think you will see Brady interact with the Fox uh, pregame show to some degree next week on Super Bowl Sunday. I do think you'll see that, uh, but I don't think you'll see him as part of any part of the broadcast uh, in any kind of tangible way. So, uh, but remember, Brady signed the three ten year. Mega deal with Fox Sports. He'll be the number one analyst uh, next, uh, probably most likely to beginning next year, uh, bumping uh, Olsen to probably the number two team. To be very interesting to see what happens with Greg Olson, who really uh, has done a pretty good job, I think, uh, as the lead analyst for Fox <clears throat> in his first year with he and Burkhart. So I think Greg Olson has done a really good job no matter what happens. I think Olsen will be taken care of at Fox. I think they value what he's bringing. So I think you'll see, uh, <clears throat> again, you'll see Tom Brady, I think, at some point. All the speculation was if Tom Brady was going to play, would he go out west to Las Vegas or potentially San Francisco with what happened to Purdy in the NFC title game? I always thought it was either going to be Tampa or retirement. I, I didn't think he was going to leave the state of Florida because of his his two younger children are down here. His, his other son is up in New York. I always thought, and, and it was confirmed by some of the reports, uh, that Brady was either going to play for the Bucks or he wasn't going to play. Um, and obviously the, the way the Bucks season ended, 8-10, and 10, lost in the wild card to Dallas, kind of the tumultuous up-and-down year in Tampa uh, that led to Byron Leftwich and a bunch of the offensive coaches getting fired. Uh, Bruce Arians getting booted upstairs and all that stuff. Who knows how much of that was Tom Brady related uh, and all that. But Tom Brady calls it a career after 23 years. Again, um, to me, his legacy is a couple things. One, he was always a team first guy. I mean, whether it was the way he conducted himself. Again, was he a diva sometimes later in his career, especially maybe during the, the couple of the Tampa years? He had some diva moments. But for the most part, for the majority of his 23-year career, nobody could question his commitment to the team, his commitment to the to the process of training, preparing, things like that. I think if you talk to guys that played with him in New England, whether it was offensive guys, defensive guys, kickers, 
whatever. He was always just one of the guys in the locker room. He, he never really took the stance of, I'm Tom Brady and you aren't. He always took the stance of, I'm just one of the guys. You know, you hear some epic stories about him in his early years in New England, uh, going out drinking with the offensive linemen, things like that, all the trash talking with his teammates in New England or practices with. Because remember, if you don't remember this, folks, his early years in New England, the defense kind of was the was the driving force in New England the first couple years. You had McGinnis, you had Bruschi, you had Richard Seymour, Rodney Harrison, all those guys. The offense was not the high-flying offense. Um, that you saw later in Tom's career when he got Randy Moss and some of those guys. The other thing to remember, Tom Brady rarely ever had the best team. You when you when you stacked up, especially deep in these playoff runs and these Super Bowls, when you stacked up the rosters of these teams, very rarely could would you would you say New England has clearly the number one team in the league. I don't think they ever had the best team in the league. Maybe the year with Randy Moss where they went, you know, they, where they went undefeated all the way up until the Super Bowl. But in, uh, up until that year, you could never really say from player one to player 53 that the Patriots ever had the best team. They had a great teamwork, had a great culture, but player-wise, talent-wise, the Patriots, other than the one year, I think, with Moss, where they just blew up the league, did they ever have the best team from, from start to finish. So that's a credit to Tom Brady as well, being able to create uh, the persona and develop uh, the guys that he created, the Welkers, the Amendolas, the Edelmans of the world that we never heard of, the Dion Branches of the world. Uh, you know, obviously he, he was a major factor in creating the, the Gronk uh, persona. Aaron Hernandez back in those, obviously he had Randy Moss. But, I mean, again, when you really look at it, he really never had the best team in the league, maybe other than the one year with with uh, Randy Moss company, and they didn't even win the championship. They lost, obviously, in the Super Bowl to Eli. They were going for the undefeated season. But uh, I think that's just a credit for, to, to Brady as well. Obviously, he moved to Tampa three years ago following during the COVID year. Again, for him to get that Buccaneer organization on the, on the right track in the COVID year, get him to the Super Bowl, win the Super Bowl, was just an epic. And, I, again, you guys know me. I'm a Tampa guy, so I'm here. I mean – We've never had that kind of persona in this uh, organization, uh, that kind of veteran, uh, superstar kind of quarterback in this organization, and just what a what a what a great feeling it is to know that you have a guy that's going to put you in the mix every single week. I saw a great stat: not one game, not one snap during Tom Brady's career. I saw this: not one snap of his career. Was he ever eliminated from the playoffs in the regular season? Was he ever mathematically eliminated? That is unbelievable to think in 23 years, not one snap did he ever take in a game where he was mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. Um, so, again, we'll see what Tom decides to do uh, as far as how f quickly he moves into the booth. I would think you're going to see him in the booth next year. Um, but, again, we'll see what, what, ha what Fox has in store potentially for next week for the Super Bowl. I do think you'll see a, maybe a five or ten minute sit down uh, with Brady uh, by the Fox uh, pregame group, whether it's Aaron Andrews or whoever it is that does an interview with Tom. Um, again, it'll be interesting to see where Tom relocates. Does he stay in Miami uh, near his kids? What, where does Tom go uh, as far as as far as a perm, kind of a permanent home uh, and all that good stuff? But seven Super Bowls, ten Super Bowl appearances, three MVPs. Just the consummate guy to get the most out of his talent. He was never the most physically gifted quarterback. He obviously is physically, he was not uh, super gifted as far as 
speed, strength, all those kind of things that we all look at the quarterbacks of today. Uh, he was not a mobile guy, but he was just so cerebral. He just knew football, and he just knew in the competitor that he was was just probably his number one trait uh, that you that you just had to love. With a, whether you liked the Patriots or didn't like it, what, 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 no matter what you thought about Spygate and Deflategate, you have to respect that guy for what he's done, for what he got out of his ability, and for the effort that that guy put in to make himself a championship-level player every single year and to defy the odds of, of, of father time to being able to play to lose 43 year, 45 years old and stay healthy. So kudos to Tom Brady. Congratulations on a fantastic uh, run. Uh, there'll be things in life that, that will get your attention as you move forward. I think you'll see, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what kind of a broadcaster he is with Fox. But again, you'll see Tom in a bunch of different things moving forward, whether it's uh, business-wise, obviously the broadcasting with Fox. Um, who knows, would, would Tom Brady potentially buy a team at some point down the road or be a part of an ownership group? We'll see. But uh, kudos to you, Tom Brady. Um, next on the agenda, Aaron Rodgers saga. What do the Packers do? Do they keep him? Do they trade him? Does Aaron Rodgers retire? Lots of speculation coming out over the weekend, the championship uh, Sunday weekend, that the Packers are more and more inclined to potentially consider a trade. You heard some splatter coming out of Green Bay that they'd be more open to a trade than they than they've been. Um, you know, he, he's owed. I think he's owed fifty eight million dollars next year or something. I don't know what all the salary cap numbers would be if he gets traded. But again, if you're the Green Bay Packers, you have to see it. Something. This is year four for for Jordan Love. Do you have to see Jordan Love for a year? Because again, they'll have to make a contract decision on Jordan Love after this year. Do you do you do you extend him on the fifth year option as a, as a first round pick? Or do you, or what do you do with him? So, I would think it's probably 60-40 that he gets traded. Um, again, we don't know if he's even going to play. So it sounds like he's going to announce in the next couple of weeks whether he's going to play. I think you'll hear from Aaron a week or so after the Super Bowl about what he's going to do. Um, I would imagine he will have a powwow with the Packers, and by that point, I think you'll know kind of what the Packers are going to do. He will. They will have plenty of suitors if they decide to make a make a move especially in the AFC, teams like Las Vegas, teams like Tennessee, teams like the Jets, uh, potentially with a team like maybe a New England trade because you do have an asset in Mac Jones you could potentially trade back if you're not sold on Jordan Love. You have the asset of De uh, De Derek Carr in Vegas that you could potentially trade, again, if you were looking. But I think, you'll, I think Green Bay will get at least one number one for him. I would not give up two number ones for Aaron Rodgers. That's too rich for me. Uh, but I would give up a one and maybe a third or fourth round draft pick to acquire Aaron Rodgers. Again, the Jets seem to be a logical place that needs some quarterback help. Tennessee, I know if you hear him talking about on the Pat McAfee show, he seems to have a very fond fondness for, for Nashville. Again, Vrabel and company, that's a good organization. They need some help at the quarterback position. Could, might that be a place he could, he could uh, transition to? Uh, if they were to trade him in the NFC, which I doubt – but two places you could think about would you if you're the 49ers what do you do there do you potentially inquire with about Aaron, about Aaron Rodgers even a team like Tampa with with Brady gone is, is is this an opportunity that the Bucks potentially would explore the Bucks do have some salary cap issues they would have to work out to be able to make that work but if you're the Bucks do you go after a guy like Derek Carr do you go after a Rodgers potentially maybe a Jimmy G is a stopgap for a couple years 
or do you give Kyle Trask an opportunity, their second-round pick, to be the guy um, and take a bite the bullet for a year from a salary cap perspective, see what you have in Kyle Trask, and then make a move uh, moving forward uh, in 2024. So it'd be interesting to see what the Buccaneers do. Uh, the <clears throat> Potentially, again, if, you, if you're the Buccaneers, there might be an opportunity to draft a quarterback here in the first round. If you, you know, you're drafting middle of the first round, could you potentially trade up and do that? But we'll see what the Buccaneers do. Uh, a name to be on the lookout for, a couple names. One name that I think would be a good bridge guy that could potentially compete with Kyle Trask would be a guy like Mike White. You could probably get him for relatively cheap. Uh, he could be your he could be your a perfect number two. He could also be the guy if he were to completely outplay Trask in the offseason and the preseason. He's a guy that's put up some numbers when he's got an opportunity. And so a guy like Mike White could be a good fit with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers along with to go to compete with Kyle Trask. So um so some interesting scenarios unfolding in the national foot. And what will the Raiders do with Derek Carr? Uh, I think they have to make a decision on Derek Carr three or four days after the Super Bowl, so in the next week and a half. Do you trade him? Do you release him? I don't think they're going to release him. They're going to trade him for somebody. Somebody will make a move for him, whether it's the Jets, whether it's Tennessee, whether it's uh, you know a team like Tampa might be in the market, New Orleans might be in the market. So Derek Carr, in my opinion, will get traded. Uh, he will not get released and all that stuff. So... Um, Interesting doings that you'll see in the quarterback market uh, here coming up in the next uh, uh, couple of weeks. And obviously you have the the complication now with Brock Purdy getting hurt in the game on Sunday with his injury, probably a six-month injury. What do the Niners do? Do they go to camp with Purdy and Lance competing for the job? Do they bring in a veteran? Do they think Trey Lance will be the man this year? So interesting decisions to be made in San Francisco. So listen to the Powers on Sports podcast. I'm Jason. A couple notes. Next week, our Super Bowl edition. We're going to have a great episode for you. We're going to talk to a Super Bowl, a former Super Bowl coach who coached in the game a few years back. We're going to get his perspective on the preparation for for Super Bowl Sunday, the uh, the nerves that go into it, the uh, just all the hoopla that goes into Super Bowl week. And we're also going to talk to a play-by-play man who just last year called the Super Bowl for his team. So we're going to have a a, a, a a play-by-play guy who called the Super Bowl. Going to get his perspective on his career, what it, the preparation for calling the Super Bowl, all the different things that go into that. So two great guests that are here to preview the Super Bowl Sunday for you. Philadelphia, Kansas City, the Andy Reid Bowl. Obviously, you know, Reid used to be the coach in Philadelphia. Uh, apparently, Andy Reid let go of Nick Sirianni, probably when he took the job in Kansas City. I think Sirianni might have been there. So you got some uh, little bit of drama there. And obviously, you have the uh, Patrick Mahomes going for his second Super Bowl, Jalen Hurts and company going for his first Super Bowl. And then, you got, again, you got the Andy Reid Bowl connection in Phoenix next Sunday night on Fox uh, Burkhardt and Olsen on the call. I think it's a 6.30 kickoff typically. So we'll get to the uh, early lean would be to Philadelphia. But again, we'll get more in depth into the game next week. But I do like uh, Philadelphia as an early lean. A couple notes about the AFC and NFC Championship game. One, shame on, uh, can we take Kyle Shanahan out of the Hall of Fame? Shame on Shanahan. Did not coach his best game, and I know he was decimated by the quarterback injuries, but before the before Purdy got hurt, he didn't challenge the Devontae Smith catch, which was not a catch. So that's 
Bad job by Shanahan. Uh, I, I, and again, what a job by the Philadelphia in offensive and defensive lines. Their lines are, to me, is going to be the difference in the in, in were the difference in the game. Obviously, once Purdy got hurt and you were into Josh Johnson, then Josh Johnson got hurt. There was probably little to no chance that the Niners were going to score more than about ten points in that game. And once Philadelphia got to twenty one, you pretty much knew the game was going to be over. Late in the first half was a critical uh, turning of events. Philly scored to go up 14-7, and then right after that, with about two and a half minutes left in the, in the half, Johnson fumbles a snap. Philly recovers. They punch it in to make it 21-7 at the half, and the game was pretty much over. So in the AFC, you had another dramatic finish in Arrowhead, KC 23-20 over Cincinnati. And, yes, you absolutely had to make that call at the end of the game on the roughing the quarterback on the late hit out of bounds. If he doesn't extend his arm as the defensive lineman, they probably don't call it. But the moment he extended his arm and shivered him out of bounds with the extension, that's just a no-brainer automatic call. So shame on uh, the Bengals. Bad, Just bad game awareness. You have to know where you're at on the field, whether it's a first quarter, fourth quarter. That game probably goes to overtime if that, if that uh, foul doesn't occur by the Bengals. A uh, couple things in that game. Remember, folks, Cincinnati had the ball twice in the last six minutes with a chance to take the lead and couldn't score either time. Had two possessions. So uh, give Kansas these defense credit. Um, again, Burrow did not have his best game. Played okay, but didn't play great through two interceptions. And again, give Chris Jones. He was the best player on the field. Chris Jones was dominant as a defensive lineman for the Kansas City. wrecked havoc on the interior that, of that Cincinnati offensive line. You saw him slide out to defensive end a few times, had the big sack and under two minutes left in the game, lined up as a defensive end, uh, sacked Burrow, which created the punt situation, which led to the long return. Um, you know, there was, a, there was a, an alleged block in the back that wasn't called. I didn't see that. I don't think it was an egregious miss by the officiating crew. And speaking of the officiating crew, they looked a little clumsy in how they handled that whole uh, situation with the third down and getting to replay third down because of the clock stoppage. The issue was created by Ron Torbert when he announced to the crowd that the clock was going to start on the whistle instead of the snap. Because if you remember, the play before, it was an incomplete pass leading to third down. And Torbert announced to the crowd, the clock will start on my whistle, and the clock should have started on the snap. Then you saw the replay where the side judge came running in from the Cincinnati sideline, killing the play. Hard to hear with the whistle, but one thing I will say that made it look clumsy is remember, these officials have uh, headsets that they can communicate with each other. There's also sets of alternate officials on each sideline that could have communicated to Torbert, hey, Ron, the clock's going to start on the should start on the snap, not on your whistle, which could have prevented all that. And that did not happen. So that's from an NFL officiating perspective. It's clumsy, and it didn't look great, but they got the call right. They stopped play. They made Kansas City replay. And remember, Cincinnati committed. Uh, Cincinnati sacked Mahomes on the next play, so there was no real impact on the, on, on the game by that play, but it just looked clumsy from an officiating perspective. But again, Kansas City advances 23-20. They break the three-game losing streak to Mahomes. And Burrow, that's going to be a tremendous rivalry these next seven or eight years. You throw in Josh Allen, you throw in Herbert, and we're going to talk about the new coaches in the end, potentially a Russell Wilson situation. So the AFC is going to be stacked the next 10 years as far as 
quarterback situations, who, who's going to be in the mix in these AFC championship games. But again, Burrow's on his way to, to, to greatness. They'll win a Super Bowl before it's over with Burrow. He's due for a big extension. You'll see the Bengals sign him this offseason to a mega extension uh, and such. So, and by the way, Cincinnati, keep your mouth shut. Don't be don't be calling things Burrow head and all that stuff. Just go win the game. They're going to lose some guys this year in free agency. Maybe T. Higgins gone and some other guys. But again, when you have Joe Burrow, you're going to be in the mix. And kudos to Kansas City and Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Mahomes looked pretty good mobility-wise. Obviously, you could see it was getting more and more sore as the game went on. But the huge run at the end of the game that led to the uh, that also created the late hit out of bounds. So Kansas City advances 23-20, Super Bowl Sunday against the Philadelphia Eagles. Speaking of that AFC West, a couple coaching moves that the dominoes started to fall on the coaching carousel. Sean Payton goes to Denver for a first rounder and a second round pick to pair up with Russell Wilson. D'Amico Ryans goes to Houston, uh, where he played and is well, well respected. Uh, they have the number two pick in the draft, so they're going to take a quarterback most likely there. So again, you're going to see D'Amico Ryans in Houston. Uh, Frank Reich goes to Carolina. You know, the, all the, the controversy of should they have kept Steve Wilkes or not. Wilkes went 6-6 six and six as the interim head coach. Uh, Frank Reich's a good coach. I think I think they they decided they were going to go offense. I don't think it has to do with Steve Wilkes. They needed an offensive guy. They needed they need they've never hired an offensive coach in Carolina, so they decided they wanted to go offense. They got to find a quarterback. The defense is pretty good in Carolina. If you find a decent quarterback, whether you draft one or make a trade for one, you got a chance in Carolina to turn around pretty quick because they got a pretty decent team. Frank Reich's a good coach, good offensive guy. So I, I think that'll be a decent move there. And then Indianapolis, what are the Colts going to do? You know, do they give the, do they go Jeff Saturday? Do they go coordinator? Do they go proven head coach? We've not uh, no no decisions been made in Indianapolis as of yet. So uh, and then you got Kellen Moore getting let go in Dallas and was immediately scooped up by the LA Chargers. I think that's a great move for the Chargers. Moore Kellen Moore's had a really really good offense in Dallas all four years he was there. They led the league in scoring this year. I think he will be really, really good with Justin Herbert and company. Uh, Mike McCarthy is going to call plays in Dallas, so this is basically his make-or-break year in Dallas. They Obviously, they lose in the divisional round. Dan Quinn, everybody thought he was going to take a head coaching job. They keep him in Dallas. Obviously, Jerry bumped up his pay, and I guarantee you there's some kind of wink-wink agreement that if McCarthy gets off to a slow start, uh, Quinn would probably be the head coach in waiting as the interim. Or if, if McCarthy doesn't advance far enough in the playoffs, Dan Quinn's probably been assured that he'll be the next guy in Dallas, I would think. But again, Mike McCarthy will be calling plays in a very critical year for him in Dallas. Next year's got, as well as for Dak Prescott. Prescott had two more interceptions. Again, huge year in Dallas. Prescott and McCarthy both on the hot seat there in Dallas. So um, there you have it. Again, LeBron James, a couple more things we'll get out of here. LeBron James about to break Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's record, regular season scoring mark. He's probably going to do that in the next four, five, six days. I think the next two or three, I think he's 90, 89 points behind. Um, so you're going to see that that happen probably in the next in three games from now, most likely in Los Angeles. Again, uh, LeBron, uh, you know, breaking Kareem's record, the ultimate Laker, the captain. So it would be interesting to see what the, what the crowd response in L.A. is when he does that. 
Uh, LeBron's kind of been a lukewarm Laker. I mean, he, he they won the championship in the COVID year, but they've not done much since. Obviously, they're trying to put it together this year with Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook, got a new coach. But it'd be interesting to see what the reaction in Los Angeles when LeBron breaks the scoring record for the regular season scoring record as he uh, continues to thrive in year 20. It's amazing to think he's been in that league for 20 years as well. So uh, we take it, uh, appreciate for all fans, whether you like LeBron or not, appreciate the greatness that we're seeing. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, LeBron James, these guys that are playing well into their late 30s, early 40s, still at elite levels. Be, be appreciative of that because this is a very rare thing in professional sports. National Signing Day was uh, was on uh, February first as well. So again, you saw you saw you saw some stuff uh, percolating on that front, depending on who your favorite college team is. I don't follow recruiting a ton, but again, one of the big stories on Signing Day was the kid that signed with Florida, Rashada, the kid out of California who left Florida because of the NIL situation fell apart. He's committed to Arizona State. Shame on him. These schools and the NCAA and all these teams have got to get this NIL stuff in, in order. Got to create some kind of rule book, something along the lines of what you can and can't do relative to name, image, and likeness. But uh, National Signing Day was on February 1st. Signing Recruiting is now over for the year from a high school perspective. There's a little lull in the, in the transfer portal, I think, until after spring football for most of these teams. So you're going to see Probably mid-April will be probably when the transfer portal opens back up again. But again, these college football situations will quiet down for a little bit. Now they can just focus on uh, actually going to class and doing some studying. And how about that? And all that good stuff. So there you have it. Powers on Sports Podcast. Appreciate our sponsors, Titan Home Lending, uh, Star Alvarado, our realtor, Print and Marketing Solutions here in Tampa. We might have a couple of new sponsors coming on board in the next couple of weeks. We'll let you know of that. Again, next week we're going to have a Super Bowl coach, guy who coached in the Super Bowl, give you a little perspective on the Super Bowl preparation, Super Bowl week from a from a coaching perspective, things to worry about. Are you nervous? What are all the things that you're concerned about? Um, we're also going to have a play-by-play guy who called the Super Bowl last year, and they won the Super Bowl too, so you might be able to figure out what team we're talking about. But we're going to have – he's going to join us. Actually, I'll tell you right now. J.B. Long, the play-by-play voice of the Los Angeles Rams, will be joining the podcast next week, talking about his Super Bowl experience, calling the Super Bowl last year, Super Bowl champions. Hopefully, I'll, maybe I'll and check out the uh, the YouTube channel. I'll try to get him to show us a Super Bowl ring. Jason Powers Sports Channel on YouTube. You can check out the interviews uh, next week. Every week, all the interviews are posted there. Subscribe. And if you haven't already, subscribe to this podcast, the Powers on Sports Podcast. And we'll try to get JB to show his Super Bowl ring uh, from, from, from calling the game last year, part of the Rams organization, play-by-play guy for the Los Angeles Rams. I worked with JB this year at the Buccaneer Rams game here in Tampa. So got to got to meet him and learn know him a little bit. So I think you will enjoy JB. We'll talk about his journey in broadcasting as well. So thanks for finding us again. Powers on Sports Podcast at JPO Sports on Twitter. If you have any comments and questions, enjoy the dead week. And we got one more game left in the football season. 
before it's the offseason and free agency and the draft. And the remember, the Senior Bowl is also this week as well on Saturday in Mobile. If you want to check out my interview I had with Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Senior Bowl, go back to my pot, the podcast from two weeks ago and you'll see that interview. Or you can go online to the YouTube channel and you can check out the video interview with myself and Jim Nagy talking about the Senior Bowl. So have a great week and we will see you next week on the Powers on Sports podcast.